Hey, bestie. What's up, girl? Hey, does anyone ever ask you, like, oh, I heard you do a podcast. What's that witty and gritty podcast all about? Yeah, okay, so I usually spit out this robotic sentence that's, we help hardworking Christian women get the growth they want by giving them the tools they need in order to have more joyful and fulfilling lives. So that's usually what I say, but I'm also monotone. Y'all know this. And so it's just like, so Farron, what does that mean? Yes. Well, my response is not as fancy, even (laughs) though I've heard you say that lots of times I should know by now, but essentially I explain that we help people grow in their Christian lives and through their growth, then they can better fulfill God's calling on their life. Right. So we're book study experts and we know how to analyze, pull apart and take that through the Christian lens and that's kind of what we do here. And so then sometimes people are like, yeah, your self-help books and they might be mainstream, but we are always sure to bring it back to God and the biblical view. Right. So whether you see a secular book or something that a Christian author has written, just know that when you come here, you're going to get it through a biblical lens. And not just ours. I like that we incorporate interviews by people living out the principles. Yeah, that's for sure. So that's your little bonus if you stick around through the series, which yeah. we hope you will. Yay! Here we go! This is episode 160. 160. Yeah. All, all of those numbers. Of how to win friends and influence people in the digital age. Ooh, I like that that even had a little <laughs> rhythm. You've always had the cadence, but there was a rhythm yeah, to that. It's because I was using italics and bold. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> well, that lasts with us forever. So we are, so we finished parts one and part two of the book. There's four parts. So today we're actually starting part three. Yes, so part three is how to merit and maintain others' trust. And we're going to cover chapters one and two in this episode. So number one, the title spoke to me, Avoid Arguments. (laughs) I bet it did. I'm so here for that. (laughs) But there's more to it. So, you know, we've said different times with different books, read beyond that title, okay? And then chapter two in this part three is never say to somebody, you're wrong. I feel like the f- chapter one is for you and chapter two is for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but let's start with you. Okay. Sounds great. Why not? Okay. So this is part one, part three, chapter one of this. Yeah. All I right. think the big takeaway here is it's not saying avoid tough conversations. Yeah. Don't avoid addressing conflicts. Yeah, we're not talking about disengagement because that can get toxic real fast if you're trying to grow any sort of relationship or influence anyone if you're going to just distance yourself. That's that's not what we're talking about. Instead, this chapter is more about your approach to those conversations and what you do during the conflict. Right, and sometimes... An argument or it's not it's not even necessary in certain situations. There's a million verses about how to have those conversations, how to do conflict resolution, how to approach someone. Um, but again, we're not avoiding as in never having conflict resolution. That's a skill you have to have. So we're just going to dive into that. Yeah. So it talks about how um, if you argue with somebody that you might not get anywhere. So if you're provi- or approaching the situation and it's with a negative attitude, and you're sticking to your guns, again, from previous chapters, you have no intention of listening to them, Mm -hmm. and you are totally fine if it gets a little hostile. Well, hostile or hostile? Depends. Where are you from? I don't know anymore. (laughs) I say hostile, but some people say hostile. Yeah, so if if you're okay if things get hostile, a lot of times, I know I've left arguments 
like that, where it's like, well, part of me might know that I might be wrong, but I sure am not going to let them win after the way that conversation went. Right. Um, after the hurt they may have inflicted, even if it was just to my ego. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sometimes your approach can actually make the other side grind their heel or dig their heels in a little bit yes. more. And now you're further behind than when you started the argument right and i know we we rag on enneagram eights or wing eights sometimes uh, so it's not like this chapter's for you you calm down but there is one part that did make me laugh it's a quote i argue very well ask any of my remaining friends i can win an argument on any topic against any opponent people know this and steer clear of me at parties often as a sign of their great respect they don't even invite me I love that part. (laughs) I think there's been times in different podcast episodes that we're like, if you don't have a person like this in the group, maybe you're the person. Uh, Just self-reflection is key, especially if you're going to want to grow. So if you do enjoy arguments, this is not the chapter to tune out on. (laughs) Right, right. And if you're not sure that you are argumentative, you just have points that you're passionate about. Um, could also still be you. Yeah, approach matters, and how you're saying it matters. And um, there was at one point where someone was like, "Well, it's just it's just semantics." I'm like, "Yeah, it it yes. There's a reason why you use certain words or say things in a certain order." We talked a lot about a compliment sandwich earlier mm-hmm. in earlier chapters. Um, there's a a book that my book study group read. It was right before the election, this most recent presidential election. And the book is called Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk. And it's all about how to be able to respectfully disagree with someone through a Christian lens. So I would recommend that book for anyone who enjoys uh, a debate Mm -hmm. or if it's election season or whatever. Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk was an incredibly great book for us to read. In our book study, we had people all like way left, way right, right in the middle, middle left, middle right. Like we... Each of us were kind of standing somewhere different, and it was just really cool to have positive discourse in a respectful way. And we also, we joked, uh, if we could get through this book together, then we're never leaving. So it was a really good book. I love that book recommendation. So there are points in this chapter where it talks about finding common ground, and I think people that have no problem getting into those argumentative situations are going to be the first to say, but I'm not changing my mind. And so common ground doesn't mean that your stance has to change. It might through the conversation. Um, Turns out I know I've been wrong multiple times in life, and I'll be wrong again. (laughs) Turns out no one's right all the time except for Jesus. Or human beings. (laughs) (laughs) I'll stop talking in italics if you stop saying human beings. I'll work on it. But it reminds me, we just wrapped up this marriage series through our church, and uh, one of the couples shared that he was pretty good at arguing, could win them all. That It got to the point where the wife was like, we'll just do what you want to do because you're going to win the argument anyways. Yeah. And he stopped and was like, well, I don't want to just, like, this is a marriage. I want it to be our decision and not just mine out of, you know, the sake of the argument. Yeah. And so um, he's had to work on really listening and, again, maybe not shifting his stance, but finding common ground that they both are comfortable with. And so in the book, it says you must value interdependence higher than independence. Yeah. So you must value having that relationship 
more than being right, because if you're going to be right, you might find yourself alone, which goes back to that quote right. you read earlier, <laughs> like, out of respect for my argumentative skills, like, my friends don't even invite me anywhere yeah. anymore. So you just got to be careful, um, kind of like the at what cost. Yes. And right. it's not saying that being able to argue whatever side for fun or whatever, that's a that's a great skill to have because then you can see it from all perspectives. So that is a gift that not everyone necessarily has. Enneagram 9s also share that gift, just not necessarily in as a combative or outspoken way necessarily, unless you wing 8, and then that's fine. But I, I like how that common ground like you were talking about. Y'all might both have the same goal, like if the goal is to continue the relationship, is what I'm going to say going to help grow that or not? Mm-hmm. And kind of on the reverse side of that, it goes on to talk about a story. Again, these chapters are full of tons of stories. We'll touch on a few, but we encourage you to get your own copy so you can hear all the stories. But um, this person in the book references and says, my mother always said, two people can't fight if one person doesn't want to. Yep. So there was another couple yes. that was interviewed. <laughs> and the, the guy, again, it could be women, right? But the guy, again, was like, I love arguing, but she won't engage in arguments with me. And I always think of, like, even in the classroom, if we had students that we had to just manage their behavior different, or even when my kids are going through those tantrum phases, I'm not going to let, I try really hard, to not let it (laughs) escalate my feelings, because I could sure yell, scream, and maybe even cry as well, (laughs) but I know that that's not Mm -hmm. going to help the situation. Yeah, that takes the skill set of being able to look outside of your immediate emotions, and that goes back to that verse, be angry and do not sin. So am I, if, yeah, I'm fired up about this situation for that student or whatever doing, or kid or coworker, fill in the blank, but is my escalating the situation the right, the godly thing to do? So, again, some sometimes, I mean, there's it's all situational, but if it's a sin, obviously don't do it. I'm not going to punch you in the face so I can win my argument. That's not how it should go. And we've shared advice before, too. If you know someone else is hot and they are ready to have that argument, as long as you can remain calm, and we reference, like, uh, picking a specific time to come back to it later. Mm-hmm. So don't bury it, don't avoid it, but... Now is probably not the best time. So, mm-hmm. again, don't just avoid the argument because it's going to fester, like you mentioned earlier. But let's have an agreed-upon time. And kind of like we do with our kids, like my kids, I'm like, do we need to watch a show? Like, that's sometimes their little reset. It takes their mind away from it. They're, you know, by themselves usually. And then after that time, we come back and talk about what happened. So it's not just, again, sweep it under the rug. But maybe for the adult version in your life, it could be, why don't we go to lunch and let's come back and talk about this after lunch. Yeah. So just finding, again, something to kind of reset and come back under more uh, pleasant condition. I'm thinking of Encanto and like yes. the rainstorm, let the cloud go uh-huh. away and <laughs> sunny <laughs> skies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have the conversation uh, again. Yeah. And this also go- comes into play whenever you're at a social gathering or just helping someone learn if they, so like... Whenever you correct your child, if they're using the wrong, like, I go to the store yesterday, okay, you're not going to say, it's went, and then just correct them just abruptly and abrasively. Uh, I know the, the foreign language teacher side of me, I, oh, so you went to the store? But uh, Morgan's approach is, hey, 
For here, past tense is went. So both are appropriate approaches, um, but none of them are berating the other person. How did you not know that? Have you ever met a person they're like, you didn't know that? Oh, I know. Like, you're talking to me like I'm dumb and I'm not. So just because I didn't know that one thing, calm down. Yeah, I'm not going to engage in more conversations with you, by the way. Yes. Well, and that grammar one, for example, uh, my middle child would say, no, I am not <laughs> Or like, so instead of no, I'm not, you know, she's trying to figure out all those contractions. Mm-hmm. And so we were also trying to fix just different things she was saying. And I felt like we were approaching it soft enough. But, you know, then her response was like, well, that's just how I say it. So then again, kind of grinding those, digging those heels in a little All bit right. more. We can circle back some other time. <sighs> Today's not the day. Deep breaths. <laughs> Maybe they need to just hear it from someone else. Yes. Yeah. And that's fine. Yep. It won't be me. Promptly emailing the teacher. Anytime she says, no, I am it, please correct her. (laughs) And of course, each chapter just ends so nicely with a quote that I Mm. loved so much. So here's the one for this one. It says, all of us know how to get attention, but few of us know how to get attention and respect at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that goes across... All social interactions, not just argumentative, but maybe promiscuity. Yeah. How can you get attention but also maintain respect? Yeah, that's a good one. Ooh, look at you. Yeah, I was like, good job. We need we need that on the social media. Yes, for sure. It calls you at the end to set yourself apart from the people who are just, why didn't you know that? Or I'm going to pick a fight or whatever. And we're called as Christians to be set apart anyway. And there's verse after verse after verse on how to approach people and talk to them respectfully in a loving way. And that all points back to God. Yeah. So I love that. Look at that overlap between Hello. these self-help books and that Bible. Look at that. Christian lens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Chapter two. Never say you're wrong. Okay, so this is like the other side Mm -hmm. of the equation. So we're not going to sit there and just avoid a conflict or just let something go when it needs to be addressed. But we're also not going to be like, well, you're wrong and say it all not in a Christian way. That's like the only way I can read that is with an annoying (laughs) voice. Yeah. (laughs) I think that phrase for me just communicates that you heard nothing I said. Because you might, and maybe the right phrase is, I have a different perspective, or what you're saying doesn't align with the way I feel. See, those are just, (sighs) yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so much better. Okay, so I know we talk about, there's a ton of verses in the Bible, so seriously, if you just Google, Bible verses about anger, Bible verses about arguing, there's a million, so make sure, if you look it up, you actually also look it up in your Bible, so don't just take the internet for its for whatever it's saying, go actually, oh, there's a whole article on 24 verses about arguing. And then pick up your Bible and then go read it in the Bible just to make sure that, you know, it's just cross-referenced and it's accurate. But here's a quote. Those who forget the past are condemned to repeat it. Those who learn the wrong lessons from the past may be equally doomed. So, again, if you did make a mistake or anything like that, and we'll talk about mm-hmm. how, to, how to approach that, but if you're not learning along the way, or if you happen to learn the wrong lesson, it's not going to do you any much better. Yeah, and so you may have been in arguments where you've spouted words like, you're wrong, and I just wonder how those turned out. And you may be like, I want it, Farron. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you won, but you know, how's that relationship? Um, what potential did you miss out on? 
for coming in there. Uh, maybe like a bully. I know that word mm-hmm. can be used a lot. Uh, but, you know, getting in there and throwing your weight around, sure, you might have, they may have conceded to your argument, but I don't know that it was as productive as it could have been. Right. That's just a, just a wonder. So think on that for a bit. Mm-hmm. There's, he gives a bunch of examples too, which is so great and why everyone should get this book and we'll link it for you. But he mentions about people arguing their salaries in different professions and it ended up, well, the league got canceled for the season because they couldn't come to a consensus or because once both had their heels dugged in, dugged, both had their heels all dug in and they couldn't, they couldn't have a rational conversation about like what's the happy medium or what are the goals that we can align with and get on board. Yeah, again, it's that whole at what cost. Like mm-hmm. you might win the argument, but what did you lose in order to have that right. win? And there's just a little known name in here, Gandhi, you know, <laughs> may have heard of before, but it says friendship that insists upon agreement on all matters is not worth the name. Friendship, to be real, must ever sustain the weight of honest differences, however sharp they may be. Right. And that goes back to the Bible verse of loving one another. Just because we're two different people and have two different stances does not mean we, we can't love each other well. I feel like I've seen more of this on the internet, too, that, like, I'm not going to blast you or, um, you know, not, what is it? I'm not going to boycott what you're selling or doing just because we have a difference of opinions. Like, that's one opinion. I bet if we worked on it, we could find 27 more things we disagree on. Um, But, yeah, for different followers and followings, there could be, there could be big ticket things that you're like, I do not follow this because of your morals and values. But if you're trying to find someone that's going to agree with you and be on the same page about everything, I wish you luck. Brooke, what is something that we feel opposite on? How about morning and nighttime? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Um, Coffee and hot chocolate. Yep. Being Um, tall and being short. Tall and short. (laughs) Yes. They're just different. Like, different things would bother me and not bother you at all. Or really bother you. Yeah. Yeah. That's just how it goes. But again, at what cost am I going to be like, no, Farron, I don't want to hang out, you, out with you because you made me drink coffee today, which I did drink coffee today. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. Who am I? I don't know, but your body's loving it. It only took me like 35 years of life to make it through, what was it, a grande? I made it through a grande. Look at you. Someday Ooh. you and might be up to the vintage. Definitely was a grande. <laughs> no grande. But I think, again, like how much would we be missing out if we like didn't disagree if we disagreed on something we'd miss out on a lot of the fruits of our friendship yeah, so for sure there are obviously real deal breakers like if you were into hardcore illegal drugs and you such know, man i'm sorry we can't be friends <laughs> <laughs> which is fine you shouldn't you shouldn't uh be associated with certain things so make sure you're doing that uh one other point that this chapter kind of mentioned and made me think about was whenever you're going back and forth on a disagreement, but you're just building your argument in your head and not even listening to what they're saying, mm-hmm. which is very unproductive. Mm-hmm. That's not good. So there's a quote here that says, All effective problem-solving collaboration and dispute resolution begins with the emptying of the mind of what we know or what we think we should know. So it's almost like coming into the argument just with a blank slate. Like, hey, what are we, what are we thinking about this? Not just, oh, I think this should, and just kind of bombard your way in. As someone who's not confrontational, I found that part really eye-opening. 
um, this idea that there's this expectation that we should know something. Right. I think I have been in rooms where people stuck to their guns because if they were going to try to hear the other side, it might be revealed that they weren't as knowledgeable on the subject matter. Mm -hmm. Um, But then that also communicates almost an unwillingness to learn more about it. Right. And if you're not comfortable with vulnerability, you would rather look terrible, um, siding with Mm -hmm. your perspective only, as opposed to being vulnerable and sharing that maybe you're not as knowledgeable. Yeah. If you need help with vulnerability, Daring Greatly miniseries, episodes 28 through 38. Throwing it way, 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 way back, but it's still really good. So Morgan and I use this phrase. I know we use it sometimes in our CG and in my book study. Like, is that the sword you're going to die on? Like, is this going to be it? Out of all the (laughs) ones, this is the one you're picking. Are you sure? Because this is it. And that kind of helps bring it back into perspective. Like, how... Why, why? If you tie it back to the why are you sticking to your guns so much? Like, is there, is there a sin that has not been revealed or that has been worked on that needs to be worked on? Or is there, what's kind of going on there? Is that pride? What, what is that that needs to be addressed? Yeah, and I think another great quote that goes along with that, it says, more often than not, it's because we value personal victory over collaborative possibility. Yes. But again... From the outside, it's like, why would you value personal victory? And I think it goes back to a confidence and a persona that if you concede, now you're viewed as weak right. or not knowledgeable, not right for the job, not fit to lead. And so when I look at it from that perspective, I see why some people right stick to those guns. As an Enneagram 1, and I'm recovering black and white thinker of like, it's either this or this. You either win the argument or lose the argument. But there are times where you can both be right. There just might be two approaches or two vantage points. That's another big one. We might not, same thing with God. You're mad at God because whatever is not happening. He has a way better vantage point than you do. And there are other moving pieces that you are not entitled to have. You're not privy to that information. So it's that humility approach as well. I saw a really good image that made me think about why people can just feel like they are so right about something, but y'all are so opposite. It's a picture of, it's a cylinder, but there's a light shining in one direction and then a light shining in the opposite direction. And the light projected on one side, it's a rectangle because of the shadow it's casting. But from the other angle, it's a circle. So one one side saying it's a circle, one side saying it's a rectangle. But they're both right. They just don't have the full vantage point. So that could be the situation too. Yeah, especially those pictures that it's like the picture of the young woman, but then some people see the old lady. Yeah. What's really cool about that, I used it in a training for an example. So I didn't just randomly deep dive this. (laughs) (laughs) Segway. But you know what was really neat is uh, researchers had pointed out that once they showed participants the other image that was embedded in there, that participants could see both. Yeah. But it took them being open to looking and seeing what that Mm -hmm. other picture was. And I think that's the beauty of an argument, or uh, productive conversation, intense, intense fellowship. fellowship. <laughs> yes, is that even though you see a certain image more, or you saw it first, if you give it the time to process and listen to the other mm-hmm. side, a lot of times, maybe it's a, my enneagram nine ness, but I can see the other side, yeah. whether it was confusion or really just a perspective based on who they are and their life experiences. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like we, once we have an understanding of where each other are coming from, we're able to then move forward. 
Yeah. So this one example that I want to talk about in the book, it was one of my favorite anecdotes. It's really good for the business perspective too. If you have a bunch of different, like you have accounting and you have this, 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 and for some reason they are all disagreeing. He's going through a real life example. He interviews this person so you can read the whole story. And she walks into the room because she's in charge of leading this meeting with all these people who are arguing. Yeah, and they're arguing because all their departments are important. Everyone's important. Everyone's important. Everything is important. And so if only everyone else would understand how their department is so important, they would concede. Okay, yes. Continue. And so she says, I would like everyone to take a moment and ask yourself this question. What could I have done differently during this assignment that would have helped the other departments succeed? I mean, that's just the mic drop question right there. Okay, take, take the flashlight off of you, put it on someone else, and what could you have done differently that because their win is your win. Y'all are all working for the same company. Mm-hmm. So when they succeed, that is also your success. Exactly. And so not to ruin the ending, but they ended up having a very collaborative meeting, so much so that the leaders in the meeting came up to her as she was packing up to leave. And they're like, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Um, so that's and it eye-opening. And it all goes back to what if it's just one minor tweak? Or what if it's one little process or system we change? And we talk about that in Atomic Habits, too. Just like It's just your system. Your system is what needs work. It's not that you're... You have the wrong goal or whatever. It's the system in place. So they came up with a few different initial protocols on what to do or chain of command. Basic chain of command is helpful. If you don't have that in your business, good Lord, get a chain of command, write it down, post it somewhere so they know where to go. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard all about having systems in place. But what I like about that is a lot of their solutions that helped other departments actually boomeranged. Yeah. <laughs> Boomerang. and came back and helped them too so again it's that whole win-win philosophy yeah and there's another quote we must enter all disputes with a mind open to what more we might discover and produce together again that collaborative mindset if you work alone you're not going to get as far as working as a team it's exponentially better we talk about this all the time like two or more and then a cord of three strands is rarely broken that's also from the bible look at that collaborative thinking (laughs) Think about how many times people spend their time before a meeting mm-hmm. thinking of how to persuade the other side to see their point. And then if they say this, then I'll say that. When If they use that same amount of time to understand their side and per- come up with some proposals for potential middle ground, we would have a, we'd save so much more time and stress on our hearts yeah. and things. And that all comes back to a mindset of humility and servant leadership. If I can walk into a conversation that might be tough humbly and I can approach it with an open mind and that it's team-oriented, it's hard to lose that one. Exactly. Um, We're getting to the end of the chapter. Not the end end, but there was this great quote that says, different doesn't have to mean opposed. Yes. It just means different. Yeah. Same team, different ideas, Mm -hmm. but like you said in the business example, Ultimately, we're all on the same team, so what can we do collaboratively? And as far as to go as, like, you're not your opponent, but if y'all are in the same profession and y'all are two separate companies, the whole tide rises. Like, we're not mad at some other Christian podcast. Uh, Excuse me, do more people get to hear about Jesus? That's a win. Some people listen to us, some people listen to other people, and that's fine because everybody's getting to hear Jesus. Absolutely. Same goal. Mm -hmm. Um, And this... Seemed obvious to me, but just in case it's not for others, I don't mean that offensively, but 
It says... Avoid arguments, Farron. <laughs> it says telling people they are wrong will only earn you enemies. Yes. Have, have you ever been told you're wrong? You're like, best friends! Yes, thank you. We're going to be besties for the uh, resties. Yes. No. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I'm like, let me just add you to the list of people I won't speak to again. Yeah, especially personality-wise. Some people be like, oh, yeah. But there are a few people who also like to argue just for funsies and I realize I'm not always right and I realize I make mistakes Mm -hmm. and again kind of like we said at the beginning and throughout it's your approach and Mm -hmm. are the words you're using getting to the end goal in mind right and this book is focused on the digital age as well so when you can have conversations face to face absolutely 100% do that if you can't it better be a phone call yeah there are hard conversations where If you, like, let's say you're transitioning to another job or you have to have that hard conversation with your friend or your spouse or whomever, uh, text versus email versus phone call versus face-to-face. I mean, which one's going to help convey the message better and in the most positive way? I have set the expectation to have emojis in my (laughs) messages. So I texted Jacob, my husband, the other day from my watch easy my voice <laughs> and he just responded with jeesh <laughs> and I was like I read it but he read super into it there was yeah. a lack of not only emojis but also punctuation yes. so I'm sure he read it very flat it's almost like you have to have a little ex- like a what do you call it in parentheses like this is from my apple watch <laughs> well so that's what I responded I was like I'm texting you from my watch and he's like and they wanted to be like, jeesh. Yeah. <laughs> now it makes sense why on Apple phones, Apple phones, iPhones, your email automatically signs off sent from my iPhone. So I yeah. wonder if that's just like a little nudge, like, hey, I'm not actually on my computer. I might not have access to everything, but this is from my iPhone. Yeah. I that's think pretty cool. It helps with you, typos too. And yes. Such. Yes. Or trying to type versus text mm-hmm. with your thumbs. One of the other quotes I like in here is, this is a very quotable book. Look at that. This chapter, there were mm-hmm. like lots that spoke to right. us. There is no sense in denting a person's ego or permanently damaging a relationship. Like, mm-hmm. why? At what cost? I like how you, you use that phrase because it's an easy one to come back to and an easy one to remember. At what cost do I want to dig my heels in or yeah. make, make it be a certain way or win this argument? What's that going to do in the long run? Yeah, sure, that might be... A battle you won, but you lost the war. And you might come back with a swift apology, but when it's happening time and time again, yeah, your words don't match your actions. True. All right, so um, this is the last thing I have to say about this chapter. Mm-hmm. It's the last sentence, of course. Yes, good. I had that too. Go for it, girl. Such a humble approach leads to unexpected relationships, unexpected collaborations, and unexpected results. So, again, you could go in there thinking, well, if I go in with that mindset, again, weak and vulnerable, and I won't have their respect, but I think more times than not, you're going to see that you're, you would have missed out on more than you expected. Nobody likes a boss who doesn't listen to them or, get, or asks for input and does nothing with it. Mm. So, mm-hmm. it's, it's easy to spot when it's fake or not real, so make sure you're being humble and genuine whenever you're talking to people that are working for you or working collaboratively collaboratively with you yes okay well well that was a good one that was a good one we could talk about that probably for a few more hours but we won't we won't do that to you because we love you and don't want to start an argument (laughs) all right guys we'll see you next week bye we're really good at segues 
and sound effects right yes so that's the end of our episode but if you find yourself wanting more and who could blame you Brooke (laughs) tell them where they can find us Monday through Friday we have a lovely website it's wittyandgritty.blog you can go there it has every mini series ever we've done what about the socials Baron? yes we are on Instagram and Facebook primarily but we do also have um, a Pinterest account so be sure to follow us on your favorite social platform yeah oh also fun fact we release episodes every Wednesday so you can count on us be sure to subscribe that way you don't have to go and find it every week yeah it'll just automatically do the magic computery thingy thank you technology go technologies and Uh, instagrams yes all right we'll catch you next week guys bye this episode is brought to you by 21 kicks journals the journals you'll actually finish Research shows that actively doing something for 21 days in a row will change your brain. Our uniquely designed 21-day journals will grow you on a deeper level, help you increase your odds of achieving your goals, and, not to mention, they're fun and beautifully designed. Head to the 21 Kicks Etsy shop today to explore your journaling options. We'll link it in the show notes.